On today's success story, Caroline with five years of plantar fasciitis. Welcome to the Run Smarter podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, smarter runner. If you're like me, running is life, but more often than not, injuries disrupt this lifestyle. And once you are injured, you're looking for answers and met with bad advice and conflicting messages circulating the running community. The world shouldn't be like this. You deserve to run injury-free and have access to the right information. That's why I've made it my mission to bring clarity and control to every runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I'm a physiotherapist, a former chronic injury sufferer, and your podcast host. I am excited that you have found this podcast and by default become the Run Smarter Scholar. So let's work together to overcome your injury, restore your confidence, and start spreading the right information back into your running community. So let's begin today's lesson. are enjoying this uh, success story kind of theme that we're doing. Uh, Like I've mentioned before, it'll almost be every second episode for, I guess, maybe the next six to eight weeks that I'll be releasing a success story. Um, Pretty much like I said last time, people can get really um, depressed, worried, scared, anxious when um, looking at other runners who have had certain conditions for a very long time and thinking, will I turn out like that? Um, Is there a way for me to get better? Am I going to heal? And we know from past episodes that actually triggering anxiety isn't good for your recovery anyway, and it's good to be optimistic. Um, And the talking with Carrie Cheadle and uh, how to rebound from injury, what was that title called? How to bounce back from injury. Um, we know that having a positive mindset has very practical, positive takeaways and very positive effects with your management and recovery. So these success stories are a way for me to help you guys if you are managing an injury or if you just want a story of hope and um, success. And so if you've listened to last week, we had Todd um, Charnetsky on talking about 11 years of proximal hamstring tendinopathy. I did put the, um, I did ask for runners to reach out on social media if they had, if they kind of fit the bill for a success story. And there were a lot of people with proximal hamstring tendinopathy and a lot of people with plantar fasciitis that came forth. And I don't want to necessarily have too many success stories with the same condition. So I'll try and space them all out and do the best of what I can. But um, like I said, there are a lot of those two conditions because they are quite stubborn. Um, But because they are stubborn, we probably should hear more of them. Let me just work on that. I'm kind of just talking to myself now. Today we have Caroline Taylor and she has five years of plantar fasciitis. And uh, it is a a resounding success story, which um, kind of surprised me at the end what got her over the line. Um, You might be interested to know and talking with Caroline, I actually, um, before we recorded, was talking about anything she's doing for prevention. Um, and she said not much, but I'd like some guidance. So I kind of just turned into physio mode at the end of this interview and offered some advice of what I could based on the story that I know. If you haven't, um, had a listen, I've got a list of a couple of episodes here that might help you. 
First of all, season one, I always tell people to listen to season one that covers the universal principles. Uh, I think most people are finding this podcast through season one. And so they're um, listening to season one and then following the rest. But if you haven't already, please listen to the first 10 episodes, um, particularly if you are injured, particularly if you want to focus on injury prevention, those uh, will help you out tremendously. However, I do have episode 30, which is plantar fasciitis number one. It's titled The Cause, Causes, Diagnosis, and Characteristics. And the next episode, episode 31, is plantar fasciitis two, <laughs> talking about rehab and prevention. So if you have found this success story because you do have plantar fasciitis, those episodes and season one will really help. So without further ado, let's have a listen to Caroline. Yeah, let's dive in. Caroline, thanks for joining me on the Run Smarter podcast. How are you today? Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. Are you? Very good. Uh, how about we get started with you just introducing yourself and where you're from? Yeah, sure. I'm, um, I'm Caroline, Caroline Taylor. I'm from a small village called Rotherham in the United Kingdom. Um, I'm married with a daughter and um, a, a, an interest of mine is is running, which I thoroughly enjoy. And I, I started running um, at the grand old age of 47. So about three years ago, I took up running. Fantastic. And it's a little bit different from a success story that we've had in the past where you actually started running like throughout your management of plantar fasciitis. And I'm excited to hear your story around how everything started. Uh, so we'll jump back until before plantar fasciitis. Do you mind just talking about uh, what your activity levels were like and um, how you were fitness wise? Okay, so before I started with plantar bits of all sorts, really never really stuck with anything, couldn't find um, um, an activity that, that I enjoyed. Um, so I've tried everything, the, the gym and various fitness classes and uh, um, all sorts of um, yogas and different things. Um, uh, so, so mix never really, as I said, stuck with anything until I um, got into running, which was, um, in all honesty, through a bet. It was Easter. I'd had um, a little bit of wine and somebody challenged me to do a 10K and we giggled and laughed. And then the following morning, I woke up to an email saying, um, um, thank you for entering the Sheffield 10K. So from uh -huh. that, um, I decided I'd better get out and do a little bit of training. And from there, I've I've really enjoyed my running. Fantastic. Um, I guess I've heard a couple of people sign up while they're drunk to, to marathons and, and big races <laughs> and things, but whatever increases the level of motivation, that's a, that's a great story. <laughs> so um, when this plantar fasciitis first arose, um, was there a change in your lifestyle at all? Can you pinpoint any particular activities or drastic changes that might allude to the plantar fascia flaring up? Um, I can't put it down to any sporting activity, to be honest, because I didn't do anything regularly enough or make a huge change. Um, and, and what I put it down to, and I've had um, some professionals agree and others not, that I wore from a young age, sort of from 16 years of age, always wore heels, always. So for work every day, I'd wear heel shoes. <coughs> and would literally have them on for seven, eight hours a day. My job role changed where I started walking around the office with no heel shoes on, and that's when my problem started from, through going from heels 
all day every day to flat shoes which some people um find incredulous and not not the reason for for my um planter but um um, a couple of professionals did agree that that w- would very likely be the cause of it. So I, I, I can't put it down to um, too much strenuous exercise or the running because I wasn't running at that point. If you were with the job change and the changing from the heels to the flats, did mm-hmm. your rec- like standing requirements or walking around requirements also change? Um, a little bit, not, not too much. Um, I wouldn't say hugely, no. Okay. And the flats that you did go to, was there much like cushion underneath the heel? No, quite often walk around in bare feet, if I'm honest. Yeah. I think that might be the case as well. Because particularly with flats, sometimes you have flat shoes that have like a couple of mil like underneath the heel and that's it. There's like not a lot of cushion or protection. And um, sometimes plantar fascia can be like a strain, like you can strain through running or walking or, um, that like high, um, high demand kind of aspect, but there's also the compression component. And sometimes just standing still can be really irritable for the plantar fascia just because of the direct compression of your body weight. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it's more forgiving if you do have shoes that have a bit more cushioning. Um, I know some people have a lot of success with like heel, um, those kind of like spongy, um, gel inserts, inside their shoe because it just dissipates the load and um, that direct compression is sort of dissipated. But if you're going from heels to flat shoes, barefoot, and um, not a lot of protection, not a lot of support, that can be a huge spike in, I guess, compression of the plantar fascia, which would make total sense. And most of the time, the plantar fascia people that I see, they're not very active runners, but they are chefs or nurses or people that just have to stand for long periods of time. And the plantar fascia just really starts to irritate, which is why I ask if there was any like increased demand in the amount of standing. But it does seem the shoes uh, seem to be a, a direct correlation. Yeah. So when it first started and symptoms started to appear, did you um, seek out treatment straight away or did it persist for quite a while? Uh, no, I didn't at first because I didn't. I didn't realise it, it was a problem. Um, it, it, I noticed it not so much during the day. It was in the evening when I sat down and relaxed, and then I get um, pain in my foot. Um, it, um, but I didn't initially. I'm not quite sure how long it did take me. I think it was at the point where actually putting weight on my foot was excruciating. I didn't think. I didn't think it took me quite some time. Mm-hmm. So one of the main common characteristics of plantar fasciitis which isn't common well it doesn't occur in everyone with plantar fasciitis but it's the first steps in the morning where you're particularly hobbling around um did you notice that trait at all absolutely that was it was i think it was that point that that led me to take to get some advice and treatment because putting my foot to the floor uh, was unbearable and excruciating the pain was awful now that that didn't last too long it probably settled after um probably 10 minutes or so but yeah first step in the morning was awful okay and how long had you had this foot pain before you got a diagnosis um it, that's difficult to say because um, the, the mistake I probably made was taking advice from too many people. I joined a running club and everybody seemed to be a planter expert and telling me different things. And I was keen to take on um, as, as much info and advice. So my 
one of my mistakes was probably not sticking to a a person or a, or a treatment because it was coming at me from all sorts of directions. Um, it's a while. Okay. Uh, how about can you recollect any initial treatments? Like if you were talking to your friends, like from the running club. Um, just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know, I have just updated my five day injury prevention challenge. This is one email per day for five days, learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign up link is in the show notes. So fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number one tomorrow. Did they recommend any remedies or any stretches or any exercises? Yeah, lots of stretching. The the stair one, putting your foot on the stairs and raising, that was a, a, a common one. Um, and the, the, the running club leader gave me several things to use uh, to help stretch my feet and to wear with um, my, my trainers. None of, none of those um, really worked. We got lot, lots of advice from um, friends. <laughs> I probably uh, listened to that more than I did the professionals, to be honest. Yeah. And like you said, maybe a little bit too much advice spread out mm. too many different opinions. Um, the stretch that you, you were saying, um, is it the one where you've got like your toes against a wall and you kind of stretch forward or um, is it more like a calf raise? What was the, the stretch like? The two that, that help or the, the one that helps now, if I'm feeling it's a little tight is uh, push against the wall, one knee bent in, in front of you, the other leg behind you stretch backwards with your heel on the floor. Mm-hmm. That one's particularly good. And then the stair lift stretch, um, lifting up, up and down with, with my foot. That's a good one as well. Yeah. So that would be similar to just like a calf raise on a step where you've got your heel hanging off the step and you're moving up and you're yeah. also moving down into that stretch position. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it seems like that first one was like a, just a generic calf stretch where you're trying to push the wall over with your heel mm-hmm. behind you and planting that into the ground. Okay. Um, throughout these, <clears throat> throughout the years, because uh, you did mention to me before, this has been going on for several years, up to five years. Was there any reprieve? Did it start getting better or throughout those five years, um, was it just consistently sore? Like, are we seeing like a trend of it getting better, getting worse as that time goes on? No, it never really got better. I just put up with it um, and, and until a point where um, I'd, I'd had enough of it because it, it, the pain had gone from being um, either first thing in the morning or in the evening to pretty much most of the day. And mm-hmm. it was just getting worse. Um, so I, 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 I had advice and went to see a physio at that point. Okay. And at what stage, how far into having plantar fasciitis did you get to that stage of seeing a physio? Uh, I probably first saw the physio probably three years ago. Um, and he, he kept me from running um, for two years, uh, sorry, for six months. I didn't run for six months on his advice. And um, physio, he used... Um, is it like a shockwave treatment? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Um, and um, lots of stretching exercises and putting ice on it. But I was seeing him to start with once a week um, and then that went to every other week. But by the end of that six months, um, there was no improvement at all. And I was also suffering um, with 
shin splints as well and he concentrated more on the shin splints than my foot I was no better with either either and she um sorted my shin splints out after um a couple of sessions and I, I quite vividly remember asking her how long would it be before I could run again and she said oh you need to just rest for at least two days before you go for a run so this is from not running for six months um, so I'd had advice not to run and, and she said to run so my first run was a little bit tentative as you can imagine um, but I was pain-free as far as shin splints went which I was I was shocked I didn't think it would be that effective but it didn't help the planter in fact um, she actually aggravated that and the treatment made my planter a whole lot worse. <laughs> okay. Way. Can you um, can you just describe that treatment for me in a bit more detail? Uh, the, which one? The physio or sports massage? The sports massage. So, like, where were they working? What what freed it up? Um, yeah. Um, she, she was brilliant, actually, as far as shin splints go. Um, it was um, agony for the half an hour that I was in treatment. Incredibly painful. Um, and left with bruises the following day so she did have the thumbs of steel but she just worked um, from my feet all the way up my legs around my hip and my lower back um, particularly concentrating um, on my shins but, but worked from my foot all the way up to my lower back mm-hmm. um, so um, I, it's fair to say I, I screamed several times which she uh, think she likes it quite but that's quite funny but I don't think I'm the only person to scream for her treatment but Mm -hmm. yeah very painful but incredibly effective and as I've said just from a couple of sessions my shin splint pain went but sadly not the plan set okay so you would have been quite irritable like the plantar fascia would have flared up and then you decided to become a runner is that right uh yeah I'd got I'd got plantar and the bet forced me into running um um, yeah, so as a result of that, I started, but I'd already got the planter then. And I, d- I actually don't think I realised it was planter until I started running. Gotcha. I started getting advice from people. I don't think I realised what it was. Yeah. Did you eventually get to the 10K race? Absolutely. I did. I did the 10K <laughs> race, uh, went on and, uh, and as a result, um, really enjoyed running, carried on. Um, and the most I've done today is, is 10 mile, but uh, don't tend to run that far now. I'll, I'll just run a nice 10K at the weekends and, and two shorter runs during the week. Lovely. Did you find like after that 10K race, the, the plantar fascia was particularly flared up? Yeah, running did, did aggravate it and took it from manageable to, to quite a bit worse. Um, okay. And I tried everything lots of money on and gait analysis that weren't recommending different trainers and um, some trainers made it worse. Um, None of them made it better, but some definitely made it worse. It took a while to find a brand that that suits my feet. Mm -hmm. You'll find that um, you probably know now that runners can be quite stubborn at times. And it seems like you've gone, um, you've discovered this world of running and become a stubborn runner straight away. So um, you've, um, yeah, you found yourself in a, a good company. So <clears throat> as we move on, you've mentioned the physio said ice, stretch. Um, you also mentioned the shockwave therapy. Did you find the shockwave therapy beneficial at all? Not at all. No, nothing, sadly, nothing the physio did 
um, worked for my, for, for me. Um, disappointed because um, I was referred by somebody else who had fantastic results. And mm-hmm. that's one thing I have learned with the planter that what works for one won't work for somebody else. Unfortunately, it's not a one fix all, is it really? Yeah. And uh, it'd be interesting for me to know, like accompanying the shockwave therapy, was there any strengthening involved um, with like, as the no. shockwave was going on? No, that there wasn't. And this might be my ignorance. Um, I was I was given lots of stretching to do. As I misunderstood, is stretching a form of strengthening? I don't know. It was never described and presented to me as strengthening. It was just stretching, and it was pretty much the, the two exercises I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. Yeah, that was the the calf raise exercise, like the one you described on the step, will be uh, some form of body weight strengthening because you are coming up into like a calf raise, and you notice the calf muscle. Uh, we'll get, we'll start working and get particularly fatigued and sore and um, is a form of strengthening. The one where you're pushing the wall over is pure stretching, but um, it's interesting that you describe that because I had a guest, um, Benoit Matthew, who is in the UK as well. And he is, um, he came on to describe shockwave and the benefits of shockwave and yeah. always recommended that First of all, it needs to be a chronic issue that isn't really resolving. It also needs to be like a, a dormant pain that isn't responding to different treatments. And the after a while, a tendon pain can be, like I said, dormant and get quite stubborn, not really respond to anything. And so the shockwave is uh, a form of like irritation, but almost like jump starts the healing so that things will be a bit sore again, but actually start responding to treatment. But he also recommended never shockwaving a weak tendon or a weak plantar fascia. You also need to build up the capacity and build up the strength as much as you can. And while you are attending these shockwave sessions, always have it accompanied by some form of strengthening. Right. Which okay. would be, um, which is why a lot of people might not be a suitable candidate for shockwave. And it w- might be why when pe- some people have shockwave, it's, the responses are quite different from one person to the other. It's up to the the physio or the health professional to really choose the right candidates, but then also have a really good management alongside the shockwave as well. So it, it might've been a bit of misleading that way, or um, yeah, maybe poor management, just missing a few key pieces of the puzzle throughout that time, because you did also mention um, even after the shockwave and for the years following, you hadn't done much, strength work or capacity work um to date is that right yeah that's that's right i i haven't i haven't done any strengthening really so most people will know that this is a success story like you have had some success with this plantar fasciitis when did things start turning around and what was the key change um so by this point i've literally tried everything so sports massage physio acupuncture um, I'd, I'd, I'd my foot taped up and gels and anti-inflammatories. I'd been for x-rays, everything. And I went I went to my GP and said, I've tried all of this and, and absolutely nothing's working. Is there anything else? So um, I was referred for more x-rays on my foot to see if there was anything going on around arthritis kind of uh, issues. They all came back um, fine. Um, and that his last resort was to refer me to a podiatrist who um, gave me um, a splint to be worn in bed. And 
I tried it for a couple of nights, interrupted sleep massively. Um, so gave up on it, didn't stop using it. Um, and then read an article how it had really worked for somebody else. So I thought, right, I'm going to give it another go. So this is about, I think this is about six months ago. Um, I tried it again and put up with it. Um, and I, I think I, I slept with it for two weeks and I did get used to it after probably three or four nights. And then the pain and the uncomfortable tightness, I would say 90% went um, to the point where I could walk normally in the morning, no problem putting weight on my foot. Um, and what I had tried is I'd bought, I don't know if you have a brand over there, Ufos, they're like um, mm. a recovery flip-flop. Um, okay. And I Because uh, I was advised not to put my foot straight on onto the floor, to put it onto a supported uh, surface if I could. So uh, I, I got out of bed, put my foot straight into those. Don't even do that now because there literally is no pain in the morning. And I uh, I put it down to that purely to that so that was the thing that worked for me the um the shoes that you're going into you said they were did they have some level of support like was it foam or was it like just like a shoe they're they're a flip-flop but they're designed for recovery after a run um so they're designed for runners um and if I do, I do wear them now. If I'm feeling a twinge or there's any, if it's uncomfortable at all, I'll go back to wearing those because I'm terrible for bare feet. I just like bare feet, but they do make a difference and they are designed as a recovery shoe for after running. And so for the two weeks that you really stuck to wearing this night splint and you were, you said the pain was 90% improved. How often were you wearing those flip-flops? Um, during that time, I would have worn them every day because I did. It's now since the pain's manageable that I've stopped wearing them. Quite would it be all day, every day? Um, no, not all day, every day. Um, I would definitely wear them uh, probably outside of work. So in the morning and then in the evenings, I would have them on, but not at work. Okay, cool. So you've... Um you found tremendous success with combining those two and um, actually preparing for this interview. I did look up a couple of articles around night splints and how effective they have been shown. Um, I found a couple of smaller studies that compared night splints to stretching. Um, they did, they had a stretch group and then split this, uh, the stretch group in half and half of them continued the stretching and half of them just stopped the stretching and did some night splints and found that the night splint group um improved more um i'd like to see one that had like a control group and one that had a strengthening group as well i do think there are other studies um that show that strengthening is better long term than compared to just night splints but it seems that it was quite um drastic for you in just two weeks to be 90 percent better that's a tremendous improvement and what i was talking about at the start where Sometimes it's the compression of the the plantar fascia as well. Like standing, standing bare feet can have, can be a irritating factor. I think the combining wearing those flip flops as well would be um, part of your success. So it, that's it's good to know, and I think it's um, comforting to know for people who have had plantar fasciitis for quite a long time that you can just change your management and can have a drastic improvement. A lot of people think that their plantar fascia is 
like permanently damaged or they can um, like, it's just not able to heal because like, like similar to your story, they've tried several things and nothing has got it better. So they think maybe I'm destined to be this way. Maybe it's just not going to heal. Maybe the plantar fasciitis has this irreversible um, pathology. Did you ever have some of those um, emotional, psychological triggers? Did you start to give up hope or were you always just constantly looking for something to help? Both. I think there were times when I thought that this is it, resigned to having it permanently and working around it. But then um, it would irritate me to the point where I'd then take action again. So mm-hmm. I think a bit of both. Um, but yeah, there were times when I thought because I'd had it so long, um, it was never going to go. Because whenever I've read articles about it, it, it's always, you know, a year is a long time to have it. That seemed to be you know people got rid of it in months so for me to I, I haven't read that somebody's had it as long as this mm. um so yeah it did irritate me um but but that was a good thing because that forced me to do something about it yeah and you did mention that you currently do like say a 10k long run um what what's your in say the last couple of weeks has that um activity level been quite consistent and have symptoms been at bay the whole entire time um, January is probably the most consistent month I've ever had for running. And that's for two reasons. Well, three reasons. We're in lockdown, so I've got opportunity to run. Um, secondly, I'm competing in Red January, which is um, to do exercise every day. So for me, that was mostly um, running. And the running club I'm a member of set me a running target. I'm quite competitive and there was no way I, was, I wasn't going to achieve that target. So mm-hmm. um, I've probably run more in January, more consistently than I've ever run. And I've loved it. Fantastic. And would you say you have been 100% pain-free or have there been a couple of um, setbacks? No, I'm, I'm never 100% pain-free. There's always, a, I'd say I'm about 90%. There's always a, a little bit of a niggle, but it's manageable and I'll stretch my foot, maybe have, um some anti-inflammatories um and it will sort itself out but it's nowhere near uh, like it was um but if it does get so it's it is needling a little bit more than it should then i'll just put the splint back on for a night or two and that tends to, to get uh-huh. it back under control that initial night splint you said after two weeks it felt 90 percent better but how long did you continue wearing that night splint for um I probably I probably stopped at the two week point and and it, it well I certainly reduced it probably every other night and it just got mm. less and now it's it's just as and when I feel I need it. Okay, yeah, good to know. Um, before we jumped on this call, uh, you did mention well I asked about strengthening and things like that and you did seem to um, be curious about some advice on preventative strategies and um, you're just looking at your current story. Um, I'll be more than happy to help you with a little bit of advice. And if you, when it comes to the plantar fascia itself, you need to think of the, the fascia having a certain load capacity and having a certain level of strength. And if you exceed that capacity, then there will be some sort of um, mild symptoms. You might notice there might be a a reaction. Um, If you say run several days in a row, or if you do a run that's beyond 10 Ks or maybe a bit faster, or maybe in different shoes with less support, you might notice the plantar fascia starting to get a little bit sore. And that's just because you've exceeded that load capacity. Mm -hmm. And 
what how I work with my runners when it comes to building up their capacity, the plantar fascia is doing definitely doing some strength work. There is um, some really nice exercises where the research heavily supports it, where you do a single leg calf raise. So from the floor, but you have your um, toes extended onto a, like a towel. So it's kind of like a, a rolled up towel underneath just the toes. So the toes are pointed up and then you go into a calf raise. And what that does is stretch and kind of load up that plantar fascia. And we start with body weight exercises just to see how you can tolerate it because we want to see where that baseline, like what your current capacity is like. And if you, if there's no flare up and no increase in symptoms, then we know that you can successfully tolerate a certain dosage, say like three sets of 10 or something, but then we need to make sure it's slow and progressive. So you're holding onto weights and then starting to go up into a calf raise progressing every couple of weeks, just more and more weights because there's um, when it comes to the research and the plantar fasciitis patients that respond really well and respond long-term, they're significantly loading up their, um, their plantar fascia so that they're um, it's like 30% of their body weight is what they're holding onto when they do calf raises. And I think they worked to a point where they were doing four or five sets of six to eight reps. And so the, you're holding onto amount of weight where when you get to a sixth rep, it gets really tough to do a seventh. And then it's, it's almost uh, impossible to do an eighth rep. That's how heavy those that load needs to be okay. prior that like when you build up you're slowly building this up because if you try that right now then if I try that right now then my plantar fascia would flare up but if you just slowly work in for the months and months and try and aim to that sort of weight and that sort of dosage that's mm-hmm. a really nice way of making sure the the plantar fascia is strong enough so that you can throw anything at it and it's mm-hmm. um, strong enough to start tolerating um, certain things and I guess the other preventative, like the shoes that you you run in now, are they like a standard running shoe or do they have any additional support or, um, yeah, do you know much about the shoe? Um, the, the, I've tried loads. Um, the brand that suits me is Nike and in particular Pegasus. I like their Pegasus 36. That's the one that really suits me. Um, the, I go for a wide fit and I've had no problem in those before whereas others I had some new balance and one thing I don't have is pain when I'm running it's it's around the running but the new balance caused horrendous pain while I was running they really didn't suit but yeah I just stick with Nike Pegasus okay yeah and why I ask is because the shoe itself can be used to either like support the sh- support the foot or strengthen the foot depending on how you want to use it and if you're probably used to walking around barefoot now that's an excellent like exercise to strengthen the muscles of the plantar fascia and the muscles within the foot because you're activating your toes differently than if it was encased in a shoe um, so sometimes with people with plantar fascia if it's irritated um, they can still do some level of running in like a supportive shoe however if they go to like a a minimalist style of shoe, the load through the plantar fascia is quite a lot. And it can you can still have success with that, but the plantar fascia needs to be quite strong and quite stable to tolerate certain levels of running in that type of shoe. Um, but you can 
in the moment, like week by week, just um, modify what shoes you are wearing and go from more of a support to more of a strengthened option. But um, that's what I always recommend for my patients when it comes to preventing plantar fascia. It's trying to build up the capacity of the plantar fascia as much as you can. And I always talk about becoming a resilient runner. You want to have your capacity super high so that you can throw anything at it and it won't um, budge because you just you just can't exceed the capacity that it currently has. Um, otherwise, if you say have several weeks off running and then you decide to have a huge spike in load, then it, they might have an increased likelihood of the symptoms um, returning. But yeah, as long as the capacity remains quite high, you can throw a whole bunch of things at it and it will just stay resilient, stay strong. And that's usually the best case for prevention. Yeah, I, I think uh, what I'm very wary of at the moment is um, I know my limits and I don't push anymore. The running club um, supports all, all runners. It doesn't matter whether you're elite or you're at the other end where I am. Um, but whenever the... Um, I remember I've moved running, running clubs now, but I remember the, the guy who was running the last one uh, was getting me to do sprints to build up um, strength and all, all that and caused me shin splints problems again. And it, and it reoccurred on again when I was trying to do splints. And I remember saying, um, this is just not suiting. And he just said, you've just got to run through the pain. You've just got to keep running mm-hmm. through the pain. And I thought at that point, I'm not, not quite sure. The running club I'm with now... Um, there isn't that, but uh, um, that level of pressure to to be the fastest and run uh, the furthest. There isn't that pressure, um, but I do do know I can only push it, uh, and I'd love to be able to push it more. But I know right now, doing what I'm doing, I wouldn't be able to. So the strengthening is a huge appeal to me. Yeah, absolutely. And you've there's so many different philosophies around running, and like you say, push through the pain. Don't push through the pain. Um, the I think what's um, what also matters for you, and you've kind of uh, alluded to this right now, is learning what your current capacity is like, what your current speed is like, and making sure that you just don't have a big jump in capacity. And if you were to say, if you want to run further or if you want to run faster, it needs to be done very meticulously and implemented very, very strategically. You can't just um, say, oh, let me try and run further and then just see how you go, I think based on your history of the shin splints and also the plantar fascia, making sure that you do make very gradual steps um, in first of all distance. But then if you want to say get faster and try and run slightly faster, then the, those individual components can't be together. You can't have a fast run and a, a far run. You can't combine those two together in one session because that might increase symptoms as well. So making sure if you do down the track, want to run further or run faster, you need to slowly meticulously progress. And people know that um, it just requires a bit of discipline and maybe requires a bit of guidance. If you're um, the type of runner that's just, as soon as you feel good, they, you just keep running and keep running. Um, or if you want to run faster, you just decide just to run as fast as you can for as far as you can. Um, it does require a lot of structure. Cool. So Caroline, thank you very much for coming on. Um, I know you, there's a whole bunch of say posts and like Facebook groups out there where a lot of it, a lot of the people with plantar fascia, plantar fasciitis, um, they have it for several years, months, six months, 12 months. And a lot of it is 
what are the answers? What are the answers that they're trying their best to try and um, overcome this? It can be an extremely, extremely stubborn condition. And sometimes just physically looking at everyone posting these, um, these posts looking for answers, you can tend to think, oh, am I going to have this like forever? Like I see a lot of people just aren't overcoming it and it can be quite overwhelming and quite, um, yeah, quite lonely seeing that people aren't really improving, but just stories like this where you've tried a lot of things that hasn't worked and then you just tried one different thing and within a couple of weeks, instantly better, like instantly recognizing that things are starting to improve can be very encouraging, can be very motivating for people with plantar fasciitis, um, particularly with the condition being quite stubborn. So um, this message, this story is very powerful. So thanks for coming on and sharing. Pleasure. Thank you. Thanks once again for listening. To take full advantage of the knowledge you are building, you need to download the Run Smarter app. This contains all of my free access podcast episodes, written blogs, and eBooks, along with my paid video courses, all neatly housed into categories for you to easily navigate through and find content you're interested in. Also, be sure to check out the show notes for links to the podcast Facebook group and links to learn more about becoming a podcast patron who contribute five Aussie dollars per month to get Inner Circle VIP access, including an invitation into the exclusive patron Facebook group and a complete back catalogue of patron-only podcast episodes, which you can access within the app. Also on the app, you can even find a link that takes you to my online physio clinic, where I assess and treat runners from all over the world, so I can be on standby if you ever need one-on-one physiotherapy assistance. Once again, thank you for listening and becoming a Run Smarter Scholar. And remember, knowledge is power.